hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today we are talking about an incredible new film called Nomadland. For season six of this podcast, myself, along with a wide array of guests, are looking at the best films of 2020. Some from earlier in the year, some still to be released in the run-up to awards season, what is sure to be an unusual awards season because of the pandemic. So far, we've looked at David Fincher's latest, Mank, Kitty Green's The Assistant, a wonderfully personal and moving documentary from Kirsten Johnson called Dick Johnson is Dead, and more. And coming up on future episodes, One Night in Miami, which is the award-winning directorial debut of Regina King, On the Rocks from Sofia Coppola, plus we have plans to talk about the new Pixar film Soul, Kelly Reichardt's First Cow, and many more. Exciting films ahead. Today we're looking at Nomadland. You know, I think the first time I even heard of this, in the same breath I heard possible best picture winner. It's it's had this incredible buzz around it from the beginning. It won major prizes at both the Venice Film Festival and the Toronto International Film Festival, and most critics seem to adore it. Uh, the film was directed by Chloe Zhao, who had her breakout in 2018 with a film called The Writer. The Writer was praised for its strong performances from non-professional actors and for its really naturalistic style. Both of those things carry over here as well. Nomadland tells the story of Fern, played beautifully by Frances McDormand, who has found herself without a home and kind of suddenly and unexpectedly on her own in her 60s. This desperate situation leads her to discover modern-day nomadism, a lifestyle that often involves living in an RV, finding work where you can, and living largely off the grid or at least outside of quote-unquote normal society. Fern finds community with other nomads, and this is where it gets really interesting. Director Chloe Zhao has included many real-life nomads in this film, and we see their actual vehicles, which serve as their homes, and we hear many of their stories, how they came to choose life as a nomad. Uh, so it essentially sort of blends documentary into this fictional narrative. Along the way, we follow Fern's relationships, we learn more about her family history, and we meet David, played by David Strathairn. This film carries with it a strong commentary on the U.S. and the economic situation of recent years, and more than that, it's just masterfully put together incredibly emotionally affecting. My guest today is filmmaker Marty Lang, who I've crossed paths with a number of times at various Arkansas film events, and who has an incredible amount of knowledge about film and film production. He's a director, producer, actor, you name it, and he's also a super nice guy, great to talk to, and very insightful about movies. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Marty Lang. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How you doing, Andrew? Doing very well, and I'm really excited to talk about Nomadland um, today. But before we do, I thought we might talk about some of your film projects, since you're a filmmaker. Um, the, the thing that I watched most recently that you uh, had a big hand in was The Daily, which is uh, a, a web series that... Um, well, you can, you can tell us about it, but it follows a, a, a college journalism department. And uh, yeah, tell us about The Daily. Yeah. Um, so I, I was fortunate enough to work with uh, the UCA grad program in the spring, and we were able to write a seven episode web series uh, over winter break last year. And we were actually able to film three of the episodes of the seven before the pandemic shut us down. Mm -hmm. um, so those three episodes were actually completed and we world premiered the pilot of it at Series Fest uh, in Denver in June. Oh, cool. And then we played all three episodes for the first time at Filmland uh, about a month ago. So yeah, we're really excited about 
about it. It's going out to a bunch of other festivals. So hopefully it'll have a good festival run this coming year. That's great. And that's where I saw it was at Filmland. And I, I watched all three and uh, really found it engrossing and, and um, you know, kind of a political thriller set in a in a college was kind of the vibe of it and i really uh really connected to it and and can't wait to see more so i hope you know the production is able to get back going before too long but do you know if that will be available at any point for kind of the general public after the (laughs) festival run well our our festival run will probably go through the first half of 2021 um and then we're actually trying to uh sell it to a streaming service oh cool um there's a new service out of detroit called means tv um and they're they're taking a look at it and we're talking with them the other thing that we're talking with them about um would be the possibility of them helping underwrite us filming the last four episodes wow that's great we're, we're hoping we'll be able to do that next summer so that's that's something that we're talking about right now that is very cool. I, the world of web series is so interesting and, and kind of new uh, to, to hear how that all works. So yeah, we'll we'll make sure to follow it. And then whenever links are available, when there's news about it, I'll, I'll definitely share on Arthouse Garage social media because uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see what becomes of it because it's really good. Um, but what else is on your horizon? Any film projects you can tell us about? Yeah, I have. Um, there's actually three feature projects that I'm working on right now. Um, I have a, a feature horror comedy that I produced. Uh, it's called Chompy and the Girls. Um, and that film is complete. We just finished it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that's out to streaming services for a possible acquisition. So you might see that oh, uh, in the next couple months, which would be great. Um, I'm in post on a feature that I co-wrote and directed. Uh, that's a drama called Stay With Me. And my editor, uh, Jesse Green, is actually based in Little Rock. Cool. So we're, we're working on that. We should be picture locked on that in about a month or so. Um, and then my third project is a feature I'm producing uh, with two uh, Little Rock filmmakers called Uniball. And yeah, it's, I know uh, about that one. Yeah, yeah it's a dramedy about testicular cancer. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited about that. I think that's going to be a really good film. Yes, I, yeah, I'm aware of Uniball, which sounds so interesting. And uh, yeah, so a lot of irons in the fire. That's exciting. It's good to hear that, you know, because the pandemic has caused so much confusion around what's going to happen with the film industry. But it sounds like people like you are able to keep busy uh, even with everything going on. So that's great news to hear. It's it's a way to keep from going insane. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> More of us should try that because <laughs> we all need something. Uh, well, that is all really exciting. Um, I guess without further ado, let's talk about Nomadland. Let's talk about Nomadland. So this was directed by Chloe Zhao, a Chinese director who had her breakout in 2017 with the film The Writer. One of the things that she does that's really interesting is she kind of brings in real people from the setting in which the story takes place. So in Nomadland, we have Frances McDormand, 
Uh, she plays a woman who has lost her husband uh, and who also has recently lost her hometown, which is basically all all but disappeared due to economic recession. Uh, she ends up choosing a life as a nomad, and she interacts with some real-life nomads along the way. And the film explores kind of the nomad lifestyle, why people choose it, the challenges that come along with it. You know, so she's living out of her vehicle and traveling around and finding work where she can. So it's a really interesting look at a, a subculture that I didn't know much about. Um, so that's, I think, one of the most interesting things about it. But uh, the, the blending of fiction and reality is really fascinating. Uh, so I thought we might talk about that. So you are a filmmaker, Marty. What's your impression of kind of how this was produced? Well, you know, the, the idea of combining real life people in fictional stories is something that's just so fascinating to me. And, you know, we see it in Nomadland in a dramatic context. But that's not the only way that you can do it. I mean, you look at the new Borat movie and you can see mm, that yeah. same sort of style in a comedic context mm. um, where the folks don't know that they're in a movie. Um, but I think I think that it was so it was so valuable for for Chloe Zhao to work in that style for this movie because there's an authenticity mm -hmm. to the performances that you're seeing in this film that I don't think you'd be able to get if you were working with casting actors in all of those roles. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just the, the people that, that she ended up casting, they wear their, they have their lives, you know, they wear their lives on their face and you can mm. see the struggle and you can see the stress. And, you know, when they're telling their stories, there's an authenticity to that, that I don't think an actor would be able to replicate quite frankly. Um, so it was really something that I, that I thought added a lot to the film. Um, also, you know, sort of the, the naturalistic lighting style, mm -hmm. the, the documentary style editing, you know, there just so much of this made it feel like it was real. And I, I just thought it was so well done. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, there's a scene where they're kind of sitting around a campfire and, and she's just meeting a lot of these people and they're all telling their stories. And as I was watching, I just had the impression like, oh, this is really these people's stories. Like how, how powerful is that to, to include yeah. that in this film? And yeah, I hadn't thought of that Borat comparison, but absolutely. Like, I guess documentary and fiction have, have always, you know, that's been a possibility. Um, I, I did think about like Agnes Varda. I, I just got the, the Varda box set from Criterion. So I'm so excited, but I've been thinking about her and that's something she did um, throughout her career too. So there is a sort of a tradition of that. And I think this is just a really excellent use of, of that kind of thing. Um, actually, and you, you mentioned the, the naturalistic lighting sort of we're recording this right before halloween it's going to be out later but um i, I was thinking about just naturalistic lighting in general i watched um robert eggers the witch uh last mm -hmm. last week and uh just researching about that and he shot that all in natural light only on overcast days and so i just think about that um that lends such an authenticity to to, to films and i think that it's clear that she really does that here as well but oh absolutely just a lack of pretense you know yeah. that's really the, the whole feeling of this yeah, completely. And, and that's, that's interesting too, that, um, Frances McDormand, I think is fantastic in this. And she, she and David Strathairn are really the only familiar faces, but I think even that they, they do a lot to blend in. So we, we were able to watch a Q and a after the film when they showed at Filmland, and at least I, I don't know if you were able to stay for that, but it was really interesting. But, um, yeah, yeah she talked about how the costume designers went into their actual closets and got real clothes that belong to them so that it felt like they were just being themselves, uh, in, in the film. I thought that was an interesting touch as well. But did you like the performances generally from, from those two? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, David Strathairn, he's, I mean, he's just legendary. He's been mm -hmm. in so many films and, and Francis McDormand is a national treasure. I mean, you look at her performance in this, 
versus what she did in three billboards outside mm. of Memphis. Oh yeah. It's 180 degrees. It's mm. a completely different character and the empathy that she's able to, you know, to get across in this role mm. and, you know, just her listening to these people tell their stories of how they became nomads and how they got on the road. You know, she, like Chloe said in the, in the Q and a, like she's really able to bear witness mm. and there's a power to that when you see her just taking those stories in, you know, it really is the opposite of, you know, some of the flashier roles that she's had. Mm -hmm. I, I thought she really did a great job with it. And the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting too, um, you know, David Strathairn's in this and he's got this sort of relationship problem with his son. Mm -hmm. His son in the film is his real life son. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. His name is Tay. So there's, they're really, you know, there, that authenticity continues even with the casted actors mm -hmm. that are in the film. So the, you know, these relationships that you see they're though they're fictional, they're based on things that are very real. And I think it really came through a lot. Yeah. And that, that that's a perfect transition. Cause next I was going to just talk about how just emotional this movie is. And I think those real relationships play into that. I found it really potent emotionally. And um, I think that has a lot to do with the tone and, and that naturalistic style. Um, it's probably one of the strongest depictions I've seen of like isolation and loneliness uh, on screen. And so I wanted to see like, what did you think? Did this film register emotionally for you uh, in that way? It was crushing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen a film that presents the United States as this just massive land mm -hmm. that just envelops you. Yeah. And, and I thought, yeah, the, the cinematography really played a lot into that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hate saying this, you know, but given the state of our country now, you know, this may not be the only story we see about this world, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. there's, there's a lot of people that are, that are falling, you know, through the cracks and that are, that are taking their lives like this. You know, I, I thought a lot about when I was watching this movie, um, there's an area in Southern California called slab city. I don't know if you've ever heard of mm -hmm. that. Um, and it's a, it's an abandoned air force base where literally people just live there throughout the year where they don't have to pay rents or utilities or anything. Wow. And it's literally just living on a slab of rock and trying to survive. Hmm. And that I, I got that sense of that place watching this film, you know, the, the real sort of rugged individualism that America is known for. And you're having to rely on that mm -hmm. because that's all, you know, that's all you have. Yeah. Uh, it really, yeah, it really affected me. I, I really, the film really, really got to me that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think it, it has that sort of indictment of, I mean, maybe even just capitalist systems and, and the fact that like, you know, this is the richest country in the world and, and yet people are having to live this way. Um, and, and I think, so it, it's kind of implicit in, in the setup that, you know, her, her hometown is, is shut down because of the economy collapsing there. Um, mm -hmm. but then too, when it, when she gets into, um, like learning about nomadism, uh, there's this basically this influencer online who talks about it, and we see a couple of his like clips of his videos, and then she goes to his conference where they they all meet out in the desert, all these nomads, um, and it's so interesting because he's he's echoing a lot of that and saying, you know, um, we we spend our lives you know under the tyranny of the dollar and working forty hours and um, to to buy these homes that that we're gonna resell, and so he's just kind of saying, here's a way out, so, and I, I thought that was really actually very compelling and really interesting. Did you find kind of the nomad lifestyle like well presented here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and when, you know, um, when Francis's character gets to that session, you know, that talk, you know, all those people that are there, you know, those are, those are real people and they're, they're a part of that life. And the other thing that, that did a great job, that film did a great job of was 
showing the emotional underpinnings of what gets people into this lifestyle in the mm-hmm, first place. Mm-hmm, yeah. That talk that she had with him when he talks about how his son had passed away and how, yeah. you know, I'm going to see him down the road. I mean, that I was, I was in tears. Like it, it was, there's, there's a sadness to this, you know, how some people are forced into this lifestyle, but there's also a real sense of love mm-hmm. with this because someone like, you know, that, that may, I forget his name, uh, who had actually, you know, cre- you know, that influencer, mm-hmm. he was brought into that lifestyle in part because of massive trauma, massive tragedy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's found all this love as a result of it, you know, from all these other people that he meets and that he creates community with, you know, there, there's a lot we can learn from that. And there's a lot we can learn about support, um, you know, even in those extreme circumstances. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought it did a wonderful job presenting that lifestyle. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so kind of related to that, like I, it became unclear, like I was like, you know, I wonder if he's an actor, if that's really a person in the situation. And I don't know about him, like, it, it would kind of seem to follow that that's really his lifestyle. Maybe that's really his story. But I think the part of the power of that blending is that you don't know always, and it ultimately doesn't matter because you, you learn, I think it, it kind of a point in favor of kind of just narrative fiction as, um, kind of can can get at the truth when it, maybe it's not completely factual I, I don't know that this movie kind of draws that comparison for me in a way that i think is really powerful but no um, i agree and the other thing i was thinking about too when i was watching this film is how seamless it is mm-hmm. i've never seen a film that includes these characters so seamlessly so that it doesn't pull you out of the narrative yeah mm-hmm. um, you no know, like i i'm thinking you know not to spoil Borat too, but there are certain characters <laughs> in that film. When you see them, you're completely pulled out of the narrative because you know they're not in on the joke. Right, right, right. For this film, everything was just so smooth and you didn't know who was who and mm-hmm. and it just created a really a really good flow. Um I thought a lot about um the first film that Barry Jenkins directed, um uh, Medicine for Melancholy. That was mm-hmm. the film he made before Moonlight. And he had a scene in that movie when two fictional characters walk in upon a real life San Francisco um zoning meeting mm. and you can see people talking about the um the incoming um you know influx of white people into san francisco and how much of a struggle it was for the people in the town at the time mm-hmm. but that really felt like it stood out this is the opposite of that you know mm-hmm. this thing is just everything is just so integrated and it was so seamless it was just really really impressive yeah, it just makes it look easy. Like you, you, you might watch the movie and not think anything about that, all, all of that, which I think speaks to the just how how capable of a director Chloe Zhao is. Um, yeah, yeah. Kind of kind of going back to the kind of isolation and loneliness stuff. I I found that so powerful. I think because I know we we see like there's a lot of screen time of her just kind of working odd jobs. She works at Amazon for a little bit, and she um, she's like washing dishes at restaurants and. Um, just living her life by herself. And then there's also a contrast whenever she ends up working alongside David Strathairn at at some of these jobs. And, um, I don't know, there's, there's a, there's a sequence where they're working at the same place for a time and you see their kind of relationship and their friendship growing. And then he has to leave for a while and then she's back alone again. And I, I don't know, I just felt that his absence so much and felt her loneliness in that. Um, and then that kind of ramps up to there's, she spends Thanksgiving with his family and I found that so emotional. I think partially because we've seen all her loneliness and now suddenly like we really feel the draw of um, what it's like to 
live with a family that she's been without for so long and, and her own family relationships are so um, kind of fraught that it, it's, she, she has this sort of beautiful way out if she wanted to take it. And, and um, so that, I thought that was really powerful, but also just actually during quarantine watching this, I, I, seeing a group of people, a loving group of people having this warm meal together was uh, particularly poignant, I think, because we're lacking a lot of that right now. But yeah, I, I, agree. yeah. I agree. That was a big part of the experience, seeing it in a drive-in mm -hmm. and, and being forced to sit away from people and, mm -hmm. you know, and you're seeing that communal experience. And look, and, and how hard was it for Fern to deal with that when she was in the middle of it? You know, mm -hmm. it was it was too much. Yeah, it, it really was. It, it was just so good. Yeah, and I think some other filmmaking touches. So yeah, well, like you're saying, it, it blends those two things so well. But there are some moments that just not that they feel scripted, but like clearly this was really, really intentional. Like when she is deciding whether or not to stay, and there's a scene where she's just sitting at the table alone, like before everyone's awake. Yeah. And it's nothing, it's completely unspoken. She kind of looks around and you just see in her performance, like she's just kind of saying goodbye to it in a way. And then she gets up, the camera stays on the empty chair at the table and she gets up and walks out of the frame. And so just really a moving moment and just a really nice filmmaking touch as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and then one other thing I wanted to mention was the the music in this. I really think it's effective too. Um, and I was looking up, you know, Nomadland score. And learned that um, it actually was not composed for this movie. It's just uh, some classical music that the director found. Uh, he actually, like the composer, I can't remember the name. I can I can pull it up, but basically he. Ludovico uh, Inadi, I think. There you go. So yeah. he, he, the story that I read was that he um, walked the same paths over and over and was like out in nature and then composed his music around that. So that very much fits, I think, with sort of the feelings of this film too. So I thought that was a perfect, perfect thing. And, and the music is so great in this too. So. Uh, it's really, it, it's a film, you know, it, it communicates a feeling and it, it, it's just so simple and it mm -hmm. doesn't hit you over the head with anything. And it just presents this way of life. It's yeah. just so effective at it. Yeah, simple doesn't hit you over the head. I think that's a really good way to put it. And at the same time, just I found it just overwhelmingly emotional. And uh, yeah. so I think that's that's part of the power of it too. It's like it's pretty minimal in a way, uh, and yet it gets at those those deep emotions. So. Yeah. Well, that is Nomad Land. Um, I definitely recommend it. It sounds like you do as well, Marty. Absolutely. Yes. So that is Nomad Land. Keep an eye out for it, and uh, that will that will do it for this discussion. Thank you so much, Marty, for being here. Glad to be here, Andrew. Had a really great time. Me too. And that will do it for this episode of Art House Garage. Make sure to catch Nomadland when you can, and stay tuned next week for a discussion of Sofia Coppola's new one, On the Rocks, which stars Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Friend of the show and filmmaker James Basham joins me for that one, so don't miss it. Thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years' worth of episodes. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. If you want to support Art House Garage, you can leave a rating or review in your podcast app, or you can buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com shop. Stay in the loop about Art House Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter by going to arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.